Welcome to Verse Out of Water. I'm your host, Ike Johnson, and this is the podcast that keeps Scripture in its natural habitat. I started the podcast a few episodes ago without much of an introduction. I felt as though jumping right into the Romans Road study was a good way to settle into my sweet spot and for my listeners to see what this podcast is all about. As of right now, Verse Out of Water is available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify That means it's available on Android and iOS devices. Just recently, I launched a simple website where you can access the episodes from a browser. I've tested it, and it works on the computer and on a phone. I'll list the website in the podcast description. It is verseoutofwater.wordpress.com. Today is going to be a lot of fun. Let me set up for you a story. And really, it's my story of how I came into contact with this verse. And I think it's how a lot of people will come across this verse as well, because it's not in a real common place of scripture. You think of John 3.16. Everyone knows about John 3.16, real famous verse. And if you understand it in context, it is a very powerful verse. But Genesis 31 verse 49? Well, let me tell you about how I came into contact with this verse. A young Christian couple meets at Bible college. They're there. They're, they're wanting to commit their lives to the Lord. They're wanting to serve him in some capacity. Well, they meet and they hit it off real well. They become really good friends and their relationship blossoms into love. And so their love continues and they just, they grow in this relationship. They're wanting to get married someday, but then they're torn apart by the end of the school year and they have to go their separate ways and they live miles and miles apart. And so she, because normally it's the girl, looks for something to symbolize their undying commitment to each other because she's worried about his female acquaintances back home. She doesn't know what kind of nefarious purposes they may have, so she wants to find something to give him to make sure he doesn't forget about her while they're apart. So she walks around the Christian bookstore and she finds the perfect thing. It's a pair of necklaces, each bearing half of a little metal pendant. And you know what the best part of this thing is? There's a Bible verse on it. How awesome is that? I mean, having a piece of jewelry with a Bible verse on it is the epitome of what it means to be a Christian couple. I mean, that is Christian dating, to have Bible verses on things that are related to your relationship. That makes it Christian. That makes God happy with it. Obviously, I'm being a little bit facetious here, uh, but there, there may be very, very good intentions. I mean, you want this relationship to last, and you find one with the Bible verse on it. And this is what the Bible verse says. Genesis 31, 49. And Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Is that not just the most beautiful verse for a long-distance relationship? May God watch over us while we're apart, while we're out of each other's sight. While we can't see one another, God can see us. And it's it's a commitment to not following that old adage, out of sight, out of mind. But it's more than that. It's also, it's as though it's wanting God himself to have some sort of preserving influence over this relationship, that he would keep this relationship strong through the hardship of long distance. And that's great and that's wonderful. And so being the kind of person that I am, okay, 
when my girlfriend, who's now my wife, but when my girlfriend got me this in Bible college, the first thing I did is say thank you. And then I looked up the Bible verse. And that's just, that's how my brain works. We'll be driving down the road. We'll come across a billboard. And if I'm driving, I'll make her look it up. Everyone has to stop what they're doing because I want to know if that verse is in context. And so I looked up the verse on this necklace. And, well, <laughs> let's just get into it. In Genesis chapter 31, we're talking about Jacob. So let me give you a little bit of the story of Jacob, just kind of a quick summary. Jacob is the youngest of Isaac's twin sons. Isaac is the heir of the covenant promise that God made to Abraham. So God promised something special to Abraham and to his children. And Isaac was the child that inherited that promise. And so one of Isaac's children is going to inherit that promise. Well, God promises that Jacob will receive the covenant blessing instead of his older brother. Isaac doesn't want to give it to him. Isaac likes the older son better. So Jacob and his mom trick Isaac into blessing him. Well, his older brother is furious and he waits for dad to die so he can kill Jacob. So Jacob runs away to his uncle Laban's place in Paddan Aram. He falls in love with the younger daughter, Rachel. This is before the law of Moses, so marrying cousins is okay. Laban makes him work for seven years to marry Rachel, then gives him the older daughter instead. Jacob works a second seven years to marry Rachel. Okay, so already Laban's cheating Jacob even out of his marriage. So Jacob works a total of 20 years for Laban, and during that time his wages are changed 10 times. I don't know when those all happened, but if they're spaced out evenly, I mean, that's once every two years. That's not fair. And all this kind of comes to a head when Jacob overhears a, he overhears a conversation at the beginning of chapter 31. Genesis 31, verse 1. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, so this would be his, son, his brothers-in-law, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's, Hath he gotten all the glory? And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with them, and I will be with thee. So Jacob overhears this conversation, and he starts to notice that his father-in-law, I mean, not that he's ever been super friendly before, but it looks like it's about to get a lot worse. God comes to Jacob and says, Jacob, I want you to go back to your father's house. Go back home. I'm going to be with you. So Jacob, as a wise husband, he calls his wives and talks to them first. And this is what Rachel and Leah say to their husband, who's about to leave his, their dad's business and home. This is what they say. And Rachel and Leah answered in verse 14 and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him as strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money. Wow. You talk about messed up family situations. You see a lot of that in Genesis, but this is definitely a messed up family situation. Laban has really sold his two daughters to Jacob in exchange for, you know, a set of seven years of labor. He's been cheating their husband. But he also apparently hasn't left any inheritance for his daughters. So if Laban dies, Jacob and the two daughters of Laban, they get nothing. And so when Jacob comes to them and says, hey, I think it's time for us to leave, 
They say that's fine with us. There's nothing for us here. Our dad obviously treats us like strangers. He sold us to you and there's nothing left for us here. Sure, let's leave. We're all, we're all good with that. Wow. So Jacob gathers together all of his livestock and his wives and his children and they get up and they start working back towards home. He doesn't tell Laban. They just take off. So Laban chases after Jacob. Obviously, he doesn't want to lose this cheap labor he's been taking advantage of for 20 years. But God actually stops Laban and warns him not to make Jacob return. He tells Laban not to say anything good or evil to Jacob. So Laban catches up with Jacob. They have a very heated conversation. Laban is accusing Jacob of stealing his family members. And Jacob it, you know, comes right back at Laban and says, Well, I was afraid that you would steal my wives from me. And then it's just, it's heated, it's nasty, and they decide to make a covenant. (laughs) And this is the context of our verse. So we get all the way down to verse 49. Uh, Let's read verse 48. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Gilead and Mizpah. For he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another. If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives besides my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. I mean, this conversation is heated, but this is a low blow. Laban is saying, Jacob, you're taking my daughters to where I can't keep an eye on you, and I don't trust you to treat them right. For all I know, as soon as you're out of my reach, you're going to throw my daughters away and just marry new women. That's, that's low. Even for Laban, that's, that's what an insult. I mean, what a way to call someone a piece of trash. I let you marry my daughters, which really he sold Jacob his daughters, and cheated him into marrying one of his daughters. But I don't trust you to take care of them, Jacob, because you're just, you're just a piece of trash. So he's setting up this heap as a witness, verse 52, this heap be witness and this pillar be witness that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. So what is Mizpah? Mizpah is this pile of rocks they set up. They name it Mizpah, which means watchtower. And the idea is if either of them tried to kill the other, God would curse him. This is not a peaceful, romantic, lovey-dovey, warm, fuzzy feeling covenant. This is, this is a ceasefire. And so already you probably can tell where this verse is, the jewelry uses this covenantal language in this one verse to bless someone as a sign of enduring trust. You give this to your boyfriend, your boyfriend gives this to you so that when you come together again, the little pieces on the necklace fit together and you can say, look, God watched over us while we were apart. And you have all these warm, fuzzy feelings. But the passage is clearly indicating something very different. A curse is being called down on account of distrust. It's really the total opposite. The verse is a ceasefire and a promise to never return, not a promise between parted lovers. So the verse on those Mizpah necklaces and bracelets and brooches and rings, it is way out of water. For the Romans Road, I offered an alternative. I don't have an alternative for the Mizpah. Maybe you should just purchase a nice piece of jewelry that doesn't have a Bible verse on it. But that's that's just me. Um, and, and I know that the thought behind this isn't bad. 
And the thought often is we just, we want to have Bible verses on things. We want scripture surrounding us. But which is better? For me to have a Bible verse on a necklace or on a shirt or on a water bottle or on my wall? Or for me to really understand scripture? And if you really want God to honor and bless your relationship while you're apart or while you're together or both, preferably, if you really want God to bless that, then you really need to study his word and obey his word. Not put Bible verses on things that you don't understand. And especially when they're way, way out of context. Well, that's all I've got for today. So until next time, whether we're reading or studying, preaching or teaching, or in this case, dating and shopping, let's keep the Bible in context. God bless.